0: and we are live. All right. Anybody who's been with us so far, welcome back to the Talking Average Fitness Podcast. As always, my name is Sam Burns, and I'm joined, um, as I so often am, by my good friend and intellectual challenger, Mr. Kevin McCarthy. Kevin, how are you today, sir? I'm doing fantastic, Sam. How are you today? Killing it. Crushing life. Just excited to be here. Um, if you were expecting anyone who might be listening or watching, if you were expecting, uh, an episode last week, it didn't happen, uh, mostly because I was caught at the dealership and my wife and I have gone full blown, uh, like middle-class, uh, family. We have a minivan now. Um, Hell yeah. And we are inappropriately excited about this minivan. <laughs> um, it's, <laughs> it's, it's so all like, things,
1: man. It's the little, well, I mean, not that a minivan is a little thing, but it's like, you know, you get like a, a new set of pots and pans and you're like, oh, my life is like, I'm basically royalty. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Don't talk to me, plebeian. <laughs> um, yeah, my, my wife is excited mostly because like it's, if you fold down the third row of seats, it has as much storage space as my pickup. But wow. inside of it, yeah, it's, it's a big yeah. vehicle. Yeah, that's a massive, you basically like
1: you can, that like that right there, if you ever need extra income, you can take that back section of the minivan. you can rent it as a one bedroom in Boston for $3,000. So I mean- Capsule,
0: capsule <laughs> apartment.
1: Um, about it. Put it on the housing market,
0: 500 grand, easy. Oh God, they would, someone would buy it. Um, <laughs> of course, then I ended up paying double taxes. Um, yeah. All right, so in typical ready fire aim uh, fashion, so we've decided on the topic of recovery, right? So we've talked previously about you, the royal you, CrossFitters, and why you do what you do when you go inside the walls of an affiliate or when you go down to your garage gym. And uh, we've talked about why you might choose to not do certain things when we talked about cherry picking. Um, what we're going to talk about now is you know this this elusive concept called recovery and why we need, you know, $300 pieces of equipment to tell us uh, you know, how recovered we are and all of those other things. So, really of course, you know, maybe simplistic but high level overview. Kevin talk to me about recovery and why it's important for me as a crossfitter.
1: For you as a crossfitter. Gotcha. So, um I think specifically for you, for, for anyone that's a CrossFitter for, you know, recovery is important for all humans of all domains. And that looks different based on that. But again, for our discussion focus kind of pretty much just on CrossFit, um, you know, with maybe a broad general look at just fitness ventures in general, recovering better is going to allow you. And again, this kind of ties into a conversation we had not last week, but the prior was, Recovering better is going to allow you to sustain a higher level of intensity more consistently. And we've talked about how intensity is the, um, common variable most commonly associated with favorable adaptation exercise. So intensity gets you the good stuff. You want more of that to keep your results moving. So to be able to keep hitting that intensity, you have to recover. Think about your body is, you know, I'm going to use a horrible analogy because I know nothing about cars, um, except they have four wheels that usually, and they go um, great way to start. <laughs> but, you know, you, your body accidentally like energy reserves is like a gas tank. So you have a certain amount of fuel in your body and that's, you know, food, sleep, you know, there's a whole bunch that goes into it more than just food, but you know, your overall energy levels, like a gas tank, you do a super intense workout, that gas tank is now maybe not fully empty, but more emptied. Sure. If you don't take the time to fill that back up with appropriate levels of recovery, then that level is just gonna stay lower. And when you're trying to pull from it again, pull from it again, as you're like going through intense workout after intense workout, eventually you're gonna hit you know, the gas light. And depending on who you are as a person, some people like to play dangerous games with the gaslight. Let's see how far I can go before I have to get gas. Yeah. Um, but that's a dangerous game to play. And if you want the most out of your performance, you want the most out of yourself, You need to keep your recovery kind of matching your fitness, your, your intensity and your output. So that can look different based on who you are as a CrossFit athlete. If you are someone who comes in and takes class three times a week is going to look very different than the recovery that someone who's, let's say, trying to compete at the CrossFit games and trains multiple hours per day, that recovery looks different, but both of those people need their recovery to match up with their intensity and output so that they can continue to again, continue working out and training at the level that they are stay injury free or, you know, have a higher chance of injury free borrowing any stupid choices um, and allow yourself to be a happy human being outside of the walls of the gym. Yeah. And and that's the big one for you know the 99.9% of us again that don't live your entire life within the walls of the gym because I know I've experienced this I don't I don't know if you have Sam but I'm sure this will you know pluck a chord with a few people out there is you know you're in the gym you're working out you're in a happy place and you kind of like deplete that whole thing if your recovery isn't matching up and it goes on for a while outside the gym I was just grumpy I was just Mr. Grumpy Pants and couldn't be bothered to do this. Just had like, kind of just like Neh, demeanor about life. So I was like, all my energy had gone into my fitness. What little, my body had left had gone into my training. So I didn't have anything else to then take into the rest of my life. Um, and, you know, luckily for me, my wife hasn't divorced me yet. So that, you know, <laughs> been too, too bad, but I'm yeah. sure she will agree that there was definitely a span of time there where I was like, just grumpy most of the time yeah. um and it's not a fun fun place to be so keep on your recovery kids yeah in school, don't do drugs
0: yeah well and I, I love you know a bunch of the stuff that you just touched based on and mm-hmm. you know you mentioned the danger factor right and i'm glad mm-hmm. you came back around to the concept of injury um mm-hmm. there's a depending on who you ask dr Sh- uh, sean pastuch from uh, active life has a great model for understanding um Recovery and injury and things like that. You know, imagine all of your reserves, your energy level, your capacity, right? It's a fixed amount. And you can train up to that fixed amount, right? And anything over that, you put yourself at serious risk for injury. You know, now now the things that affect that are um, if I didn't sleep as much as I should have. If I didn't eat correctly for yesterday and today, or maybe even chronically, whomp. maybe if I overtrained the day before, whomp. you know. Mm-hmm. And so now you can start to see that your available amount of buffer for uh, energy expenditure, um, especially when you start to get into like you know resistance training and stuff like that, the available space that you have to train at intensity without risk of either a overtraining or b injury is much lower. I love, I love that analogy. I also love that really good analogy. That's a really good one. I like that. It's a, yes, yeah. there's, there's a lot of stuff that, yeah, that he talks about. And I like that one in particular because yeah. I can talk to my clients about that. I can talk to my athletes yeah. and they get that. Yeah. It's, it's super
1: visual and easy to wrap your head around. So, cause even if you are the athlete like, like you just said, you have the capacity to be here Yep. because of all your, whatever lifestyle stuff. And some, you know, life happens, you know, yeah. you go through whatever, but you know, even if you have the capacity for this, uh, you know, when you're, everything's hundred percent you're now down here because of all the lifestyle factors that like haven't allowed you to recover. So like, even if you in theory have that capacity, yeah. if you're here and you try to train to that capacity, yeah. you're going to be in a world of hers. So I, I, that's a really cool visual and cool analogy. I like that.
0: Learn yeah. something new. Definitely. When, you. Yeah, please do. And because I stole it from him. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then like, you know, thinking about competitors programs and people who, you know, at a high level, we talk mm-hmm. about competitive CrossFitters, mm-hmm. your Tia Claire Toomey's, your Matt Frasers. They they've got this thing mm-hmm. figured out. Yep. They and nothing, they don't allow anything to screw mm-hmm. with their ability to recover because they understand that you don't get to train unless you take advantage of a recovery cycle. You know, yep. like the the thing that is often said is you you earn your training in your recovery. Mm-hmm. And if, like, because if, if you don't, you know, using going back to that visual analogy, if you don't set yourself up to be able to train at a certain level, you will not get the gains that you're looking to get out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> which also brings us to things like exogenous hormone use, right? Mm-hmm. If you're not optimizing your hormones by things like, you know, good, appropriate diet, um, appropriate sleep, appropriate work to rest recovery, things like that. That's part of the reason that, you know, people who do have those things figured out then mm-hmm. supplement with exogenous hormones is because it creates a greater capacity to recover. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's not that, you know, like, um, you know, you're, you're bodybuilding or whatever. And you're like, Oh, every bicep ca- or every bicep curl counts as two bicep curls. It's that you can do double the number of bicep curls. Yeah. Because the hormone replacement is enabling you to recover so much quicker.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's to kind of put it in a in a frame of reference for people, it's like, you know, the the biggest factor when it comes to muscle size is total volume accumulation. So when we say volume, again, like this is, you know, not from like number of training pieces because bodybuilding is a different sport, but it would be like, you know, sets times reps times load. So amount of total working volume on the muscle. What taking exogenous, you know, steroids, performance enhancing drugs, hormones, whatever kind of branch or or whatever you want to call it, taking those things doesn't just magically make you better. If you were to just go home and sit on the couch and pump yourself full of testosterone, you're not going to be shredded ever because you're just sitting on the couch.
0: Right. It doesn't work like
1: that. And it doesn't make the work easier. Like the thing that I think people need to wrap their heads around, and this is again like a little tangent on drugs, but yeah. um, if someone is taking steroids or gets caught taking steroids or whatever, um, like, yes, there's like a moral thing to it, but it's like, it's not that they're taking the easy way out because taking those things allows you to work harder. You can do more and still recover at the same rate or faster rate than your peers. So again, if you'd like in bodybuilding sense, you know, um, instead of doing chest once a week, because, you know, you do a massive chest workout, your chest is sore for six days. You wait until Monday to roll around again. You hop back on the bench instead of doing chest once a week, you can now do chest three times a week. So you've tripled your volume. Yeah. Of course, you're going to get bigger, faster. Like, and and if you're
0: eating to support it
1: too. Exactly. Well, I mean, if, if you're training for bodybuilding, you're not just like some jabroni working out, like you probably do have the nutrition dialed in. You're probably doing the standard bodybuilder diet of like, I eat two chicken breasts and four cups of rice at each meal. So you're just, that's it. Um, and so, and that can translate into whatever, you know, there's people, more people more recently in the sport of CrossFit have been testing positive for different, um, performance enhancing drugs. Um, And it's like, it's not necessarily that they're just like, ah, I can do Fran in five minutes and I'm still going to get the fitness results. It's not, that's not the case. They can just do Fran in two minutes twice like, and and recover from it and then do it again. So, you know, like they can just maintain the intensity and the volume for longer and still recover, which, you know, Mm -hmm. in taking like get the results there quicker for sure, but it's not that they're not working as hard or taking, you know, it allows them to work harder. And that's what, you know, creates the kind of unfair advantage. Yeah.
0: But I don't know if you've gone down the rabbit hole on the whole Liver King thing. Have you you (laughs) dug into that? So I like, I haven't like
1: dug, dug into it. I I know the premise of the whole thing. And he was, man, like, I I mean, this is not to like make fun of anybody, Mm -hmm. but if you sat there, if you looked at this man and if you don't know who Liver King is, use the Google machine and, and give it a look. Yeah. And I hate, I hate the use of like the eye test because people will look at CrossFit athletes and be like, Oh, well they're muscular and lean. So they must be on drugs. Like, well, no, some incredible things are possible for sure being a natural athlete. But like you said, like you kind of live within a vacuum, you have everything dialed in. Like I remember seeing and hearing things in Matt Fraser, like he wouldn't go to his friend's bachelor party because it was within training season for the game games. So he was like, I can't go because that's a factor that's going to affect my recovery, my training for yeah. three or four days, I can't take that risk. You know, he wouldn't ride his motorcycle. He would, I remember one thing where like he would have his uh, girlfriend, fiance, wife, Sammy yeah. would cut his meat for him yeah. because he didn't want to use a knife and risk like slipping and cutting himself. Yeah. And it's like, that's how much of a vacuum some of those guys are placing themselves in to do the things they do. So this isn't to say that, you know, they're, that just by looking at someone, you can tell if they're on steroids. However, mm-hmm. <laughs> this guy, Liver King, I have yeah. no idea what his name is, but this guy, he's, me. what would you say? He's like 270 pounds at like 5'10 <clears throat> type dude. He does like, you know, yeah massive, like, uh, you can frame it kind of like bodybuilders. If you look at like, you know, pro bodybuilder show, they kind of like, they have abs, but it kind of looks like a gut called like yeah. a growth hormone gut. Where your abs are basically kind of like distended, Mm -hmm. um, and so he's got that going on, he's absurdly lean for how big he is, and he's like, Nah, man, all you gotta do is eat like some raw organ meat a couple times a day, yeah, and you're good to go, yeah. Like, there's not nearly enough calories nor carbohydrate (laughs) in your diet to support the physique you have without exogenous, and that's the kind of thing is like. (laughs) Could someone potentially be that big, given they have, they like have God's gift of genetics, mm-hmm. and they've dialed everything in. They work incredibly hard. The nutrition is on point, and it you know, is that possible? Sure, I'm not going to say it's not to be like you know that size muscularly, but like looking at his abdomen and how the standard that was, and then what he was claiming he was eating, I'm like, I th- like, you're
0: lying. Yeah, that's not real. <laughs> um, well, So there's there's a guy uh, who runs a YouTube called more plates, more dates. I believe yes. is Yes. I believe his name is David. Mm-hmm. Um, he went down the rabbit hole on yeah. this whole thing. Yeah. And I, and I highlight this for a couple of reasons, like first, so to, to kind of piggyback on what you're talking about, this dude, liver King, he's yoked. The guy is absolutely massive. So we're not yeah. just talking about like Matt Fraser is fit. You can yeah. see muscular definition. You can see his abs. This guy looks like you stuffed little balloons in his shoulders and his arms and his abs and then blew them up, right? So we're talking about a a degree of muscle size. It's not just about visible muscle. It's about hypertrophy, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And then add on top of that, this dude is in his 40s. Yep. So that's just really hard to get to. Well, anyway, yep. so you you go down the rabbit hole, and this whole thing is he's emailing back and forth with a bodybuilding consultant, mm-hmm. and this is before he got famous. Yeah. So he's talks about his diet, his workout structure, and the products that he's using. And it's very clear he's using exogenous hormone use, there, and it's a slew of things. It's like eight different products.
1: Well, I, I remember so, like seeing somewhere that like his like. A steroid bill is not the way to do it, but like he was spending roughly $10,000 a month more. on, on his steroid stack. Yeah. Stuff that he was <laughs> taking. Um,
0: so he, wow. it's very clear that this was, this was all very carefully orchestrated and oh. he says it outright. He's like, I have a brand. I want to grow the brand from where it is now to a, to a million followers inside of a year. Which, by the way, he did. He beat he's his goal. He's well past it, isn't he? Like, he's well past it. Oh, he him. was, like, 1.6 or something recently. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if it's gone down. But the point is, is like, this was not an accident. It wasn't, no. you know, a um, like a, oh, I didn't know what was going on. No. The dude had a plan to build a brand and a personality. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. I don't judge him for that. Because he has never entered a competition, mm-hmm. you know. He um, He did straight up lie in a bunch of interviews and be like, no, I'm hundred percent natural, but you know, whatever. I, what I think is amazing is how incredibly disciplined he was Mm -hmm. already before he did whatever was going on to get him to that million people. So he's got his diet locked on point. He's got his rest and recovery cycle locked on point. He's also doing CrossFit twice a day. He's using conjugate method CrossFit in the for his AM session, so it's essentially all uh, mixed modal resistance training and strength training. And he does metcons in the afternoon. Um, and of course, he's he's you know taking his hormone therapy like before those, and then you know eating a shit ton of food after and stuff like that. But like he's using the same stuff that we would prescribe to people, you know, inside of an affiliate. But he's doing two a days. And mm-hmm. he's got everything else figured out, and then on top of that, he's going down the hormone rabbit hole with exogenous steroids. Yeah. Um, so this this isn't one of those things where like he I don't know if you've ever seen pictures of Dan Blazarian before he like got big. I'm not sure. I don't know who that is. Is is another internet personality. Um, yeah. but he is famous for being yoked and you know being an alpha bro. Yeah. Well, before that, he was not so yoked. And you know, you could tell there was there was some assistance that brought him to wherever And fine, I don't judge um but it's I love that you highlighted the fact that this is not an easier path right yeah. you know this is a, a very particular choice that people make so that they can do more work right mm-hmm. um and like great, so let's yeah, put a button on um exogenous yeah. steroid so use and for stuff like that those of us, for those of us not on steroids for those of us not on steroids how, how do we optimize recovery i mean i've i mean i've talked to a bunch of different health professionals i've listened to high-level competitive athletes um and they all say the same thing if sleep was a drug it would be illegal right yep um and my own thing i was like i know where you're going just... oh yeah oh and even my own personal i have a health coach yeah. and she has made it very clear to me. She's like, if you don't get good sleep, you need to alter your training. So like in your course, of you're trying to stay consistent and everything like that, sleep will always trump training. Yep, um, 100%. If, if you're interested, anybody who's listening out there, in going down the rabbit hole in how important sleep is, there's a fantastic book called Why We Sleep by Dr. Matthew Walker, who's a PhD out of Cambridge, England. The guy, all he does is study sleep, it is absolutely fascinating. And he was on the Joe Rogan podcast a couple of years back now. And mm-hmm. it's a giant one of those giant three hour numbers.
1: I don't know if I don't know if Rogan knows how to do a podcast that's like under four hours, but the first hour is just like some commercials for different brands that sponsor
0: him, right? God, God bless him, he puts them at the front, and so you can get them out of the way, and I can just like, <laughs> yeah, fast forward, fast forward. instead of like just you know, interspersed in between. <laughs> well, so this this was wild so i i'll never forget and these things it's one of those things where like you hear it and you're like okay this changes everything for me so he's talking about how important sleep is what happens when you sleep and especially when you're getting good sleep right yeah first of all sleep quantity right Mm -hmm. i'm going to keep it to the males because my dudes you know first of all i can identify with some of the things that we go through um but also there are some very particular things when it comes to being male and sleep quality and quantity. Guys, if you are getting chronically six hours of sleep or less, every morning when you wake up, you are waking up at minimum with a testosterone level of a person who is 10 years older than you who is healthy. Like, I'm 38. Am I 38? I'm going to be 38 this year. Um, I'm gonna be 38 this year. If I'm beating myself up and not getting the sleep that I want, I'm getting like six, six and a half hours. My testosterone level, natural free floating testosterone, is gonna be as low as potentially someone who is 48 years old, right? And and around this time where I am is where people start to like take additional testosterone to like offset that. Um, if you are, I think it's awake. For 20 hours in a row, you are le- you are as impaired, like behind the wheel, as if you were legally drunk. So if you go, you know, like to a normal 16-hour day, add a- eight hours of sleep, 16 hours of something, and you're just like, yeah, I'll push it a little bit, those four hours can bring you to a place of awareness and reaction time and all those things where you might as well be drunk. It's that bad, right? And that's not even counting. That's like all the dangerous stuff, right? That's not talking about the good, awesome thing. Like you get like eight plus hours and like you can get into a a run of eight plus hours. Inside of your brain, you will start to dump out natural testosterone, human growth hormone, which is the stuff that bodybuilders and other people are taking exogenously from externally from outside of the body. You get more of that When you get more sleep, right? Mm -hmm. So if ever there was, for CrossFitters, a reason to dial in and try to up that sleep number, you're going to get more benefit from the work that you're doing inside of the gym if you can couple it with eight plus hours of sleep, which I know is easier said than done.
1: Honestly, you're you're describing my life with all the things. When you're like, yeah, if you only sleep six hours and you're up twenty hours in a row, I was like, yeah. <laughs> like <That's... clears throat> Sam's just describing my life over here. I'm like, sick. Son of a bitch. I
0: I get it. Like that's such as the the realm of like four a.m. ups You know. You know, and and that's part of the reason. Like, especially coaches, man, coaches, I feel you. You got to get up early. You got to get out to the affiliate. You got to crack the doors open. You got to set up. You know, if you're one of those coaches who you know likes group management and you're doing your setup, I get it. Um, If you know, for those for those of you who do have to get up or like in the affiliate space specifically, if you can coordinate it so that you do not have a clopen, which Mm. is what we used to call the close to open, where you're you know you're shutting the doors at seven thirty, you're going home you're cranking out on dinner, maybe you're watching T V till nine PM or whatever, and then your alarm goes off at four or four oh five so that you can be inside the affiliate at five to start class at five thirty. Like if you can avoid that close to open, I would say don't ever do it again. You yep. know? It's just it's not worth it long term. Um I but I I sympathize and empathize with people who just don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. And I understand that. And you know, anyone who's got kids, I get you. You know? That kid will decide sometimes <laughs> how much sleep you get. Yeah. Um kids in the bedroom to screw you, buddy. You and your You <laughs> know, well, and I remember my wife and I when we when we first brought our son home, we just knew it's like every three hours it was he nap and then get up diaper food hang out for a little bit nap and just he lives his life on a three-hour cycle um and that just is what it is and you know thank god we have the relationship we have and we could kind of coordinate to swap and you know at the time i was early on i had taken i could i had taken leave to be with my wife but then i went back and i was um you know, coaching some mornings and we could set it up so that um, you basically take shifts. Yeah. And which is really hard to do. Anyone who's breastfeeding, like, you know, hats off to moms who it's like, yeah, you can get up and you can help, but I still got to be up to pump or I still got to be up to to breastfeed this kid. Like moms, moms are rock stars. Um, Superheroes. Absolute, absolute superheroes. Um, And it's, it's hard, but there are some fantastic resources for things like you know, getting a kid on a good sleep pattern, and I urge people to take advantage of it because your sleep is important as well. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, kind of leaving behind the sleep topic. What do you? What would you say? Because for me, sleep is the biggest bullet. Like it's the biggest rock in the bucket. Hundred percent. That's, yep. Where would you go next? Nutrition. Nutrition.
1: Like, and I'll like, I'll put, I'll kind of like put hydration in the n- nutrition bucket. Like your intake of things. Resources. Yeah. Sure. So like ha- making sure that you're eating enough and by eating enough, like you have protein that supports everything muscularly tendon, tendon wise, you know, everything there, carbohydrates for your energy. Huh?
0: But wait, coach, coach Kevin, why is it important for me to eat that much protein? because I said so (laughs) Stop arguing go do Fran yeah um
1: (laughs) Um, no but like so protein I I remember seeing some things where it's like um I forget where I saw it I was either reading something watching something there's been like multiple sources throughout the years where it's like you know the amount of protein that a human needs for the entire day is like basically what would fit inside like in one palm right I was like for someone who's just sitting there all day. Sure. Like if, if you literally do nothing exi- aside from like breathe and maybe photosynthesize once in a while, then you don't really need much protein. Cause you're not yeah. like causing much mechanical damage to your tissues. Yeah. However, if you do a squat now and then you've maybe tried a burpee, yeah. you're going to need some extra protein in there to like keep every like muscle protein synthesis, that process going. Yeah. Um, so There's 5,000 different resources in 10,000 different places all over the internet and books and such on how much protein you
0: should eat. Um, If I could point people to one just very quickly, um, Dr. Mike Isratel from RP Strength did a TED Talk quite a while back called The Scientific Landscape of Healthy Eating, Mm. where he goes down the rabbit hole of just what the scientific literature tells us about the um, the interaction between the body and nutrition. So, for example, so leaving aside specific diets, what is the minimum amount of protein or carbohydrates or fat the human body needs? Right. So, it's mm-hmm. not specifically targeted toward people who are training a certain way or anything like that. But it's a good place to start to understand, you know, food and what your body does with it. So yep. I'll put a link. I'll put a link in the show notes for anyone who wants to do that.
1: Um. For me, like my kind of, especially like, again, because we're kind of talking to people who train and, you know, either CrossFit or fitness or otherwise. My recommendation for kind of like that number, if you're someone who likes to put a number on it, would be, you know, having somewhere between 0.8 to 1.2 grams of protein per pound of body weight Mm -hmm. is a good spot, is a good kind of range to be Mm -hmm. on your day to day to kind of allow yourself to number one, like protein is the most satiating, uh, macronutrient, which means it keeps you fuller, most full, the longest you you're hungry, less, um, it keeps your muscle protein synthesis going. So it allows for the repair of tissues that you've damaged while doing our crazy silly stuff in the gym. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's a good spot to be. If you're not a human that puts numbers on it, you're like, Nope. I've my fitness pal who like not, not a fan of that then if you're a smaller human or like one to one and a half palms worth of protein per meal, Mm -hmm. if you're a larger human, two palms per meal, you know, like of, of some source of protein that can be whatever it is. So that fits all diets. If you, you know, if you are eat meat, don't eat meat, only eat fish, whatever that might be, some source of protein in in those amounts is a good spot to be just, you know, for most of us. And then you can kind of like, based on how you're feeling, you can kind of adjust a little bit there. Yeah.
0: Um, but that and would I think be- One of the things that I hear so often is um, people saying, oh, well, that seems really protein heavy. Um, yes. And I, I'd love to get your view on this. My, my own personal opinion is it's not protein heavy. What is commonly provided uh, under der- dietary guidelines or what mm-hmm. is commonly seen inside of a Western diet is protein deficient.
1: Yes, uh, uh, I would 100 percent agree. Uh, you know what we see most now, like the Western diet, and, and mainstream media likes to pick a macronutrient and vilify. Yeah, you vilify it. Uh, you know, every so often, just to keep things interesting,
0: sure,
1: um, keep people confused. But you know, if you look at like the food pyramid that we all saw in school, type thing, like the at the base of the pyramid was like grains and you know, whole wheat and stuff like that. Um, and then, like, protein was somewhere towards the top. It's like one of the smaller sections yeah. as you kind of worked your way up yeah. it was like source of protein. So um, I'll just throw out there like, we in the United States, like, portion sizes of things are absolutely fully out of whack, um, just in general. But yes, I would 100% agree with your statement that most things that you, you know receive that you're being put out there are like low on the protein end and tend to be a little bit higher on the carbohydrate end yeah so sure.
0: Um, well, and, and especially if things are end up being uh and there are some great resources on this with uh, a great podcast was andrew humberman and um lane norton i think is his name dr lane norton who yeah lane has his uh his phd in nutrition Lane is Uh, a savage.
1: If you don't know who Lane Norton is, follow him. Uh, He's one that, uh, he's an expert in his field first and foremost. Like he is a world renowned expert in nutrition, has written multiple books and courses and the whole thing. The thing I like the most about him is he gives zero fucks about your feelings. Mm -hmm. He's just like, this is what the data says. Like Whether you like it or not, this is what the data and the research says. Mm -hmm. If that makes you upset don't care yeah. um, so that uh, that's my favorite thing about lane if yeah. like you can give him a, a follow on
0: instagram he's a good follow on there yeah it's and it, that you know specifically like you know picking sources for information he talks a lot about you know how some studies are maybe well intentioned but terribly executed mm-hmm. and so that kind of skews the results that we get out of it mm-hmm. um, he what oh, the heck was i going what were we talking about your his his podcast Right. Um, you know, protein is important. And we talk about, you know, how much to get, palmfuls, things like that. For my vegetarian or vegan friends out there, um, just be conscious. We're not saying you got you to gotta give up what you feel and, and start eating beef. Um, just know that for things like muscle protein synthesis, one of the things that we're looking for is uh, a good amount of certain amino acids. Um, inside of that protein source, specifically leucine. And with plant-based um, protein sources, which are totally fine, you just might have to have a little bit more of that plant-based, plant-based source to mm. get the same amount of leucine as uh, an animal-based source. So, for example, if I've got a scoop of whey protein, chances are to get the same amount of leucine out of a plant-based protein, I have to do like one and a half scoops. Yeah. Right? And it's, and that's a, that's a general guideline based on recommendations that I've read in a bunch of different places, but, um, they seem to consistently say the same thing, which is why, you know, like vegan bodybuilders, totally, you could be a vegan bodybuilder. You just have to be, you just have to be a little bit more careful about how you do stuff like that.
1: And, you know, whether you get it from the, you know, doing like the, you know, times and a half type deal of like kind of the serving size or like you can, um, like supplement with leucine, like, Mm. you know, just have. Something where it's like it's just leucine on its own, an amino acid that you can take. Have, to you, kind of...
0: have you heard Lane talk about that?
1: No, I think
0: I think it was him talking about leucine specifically. How you can supplement directly with leucine, but it tastes like gasoline. And so,
1: <laughs> I mean, that doesn't shock me in the slightest. I, you know, that's why all these like fun powders are flavored because I'm sure yeah. if you were just like just to take it straight up unflavored, it's like. Bleh
0: yeah um, but peter, peter atia says that ketones like raw ketones oh. actually taste like jet fuel
1: yeah i yeah um the ketogenic diet is a whole nother i don't want to go down there i'll go off on a rant um okay
0: let's, let's leave that aside <laughs> for right now we've that aside so we've, ta- we've talked about protein the importance of protein you know yes. like carbohydrates and fat you know like and, and let's you know carbohydrates fat and water like kind of mm-hmm. close us out on that one yep
1: um Carbohydrate and fats are, are interesting because it kind of can be a pick your own adventure when it comes to what the literature says from nutrition standpoint is that the own, like when protein is equated between two different diets or multiple different diets, like if the protein intake is the same carbohydrate and fat intake, higher, low on either side or equal has zero statistical bearing on like body composition, as long as like protein and calories are equal. You know, if you have, if you have someone that's eating the same amount of protein in 2000 calories versus the same amount of protein in 3000 calories, that the 3000 calorie person is always going to like gain weight more, you know, um, but if protein and calories are kind of equal, your carbohydrate and fat intake can kind of be what you'd like it to be. Um, and you know, that kind of give can give people a little bit of freedom of what you like. Some people tend to do really, really well eating lower carb and higher fat. Some people tend to do really, really well eating higher carb and lower fat. Um, you know, at, if you look at something like CrossFit prescribes with the zone diet, um, or at least I, I know that they have prescribed and in, in the level one, or at least they touch on it in the level one. They do touch um, on it still. so, um, like that kind of puts fat and carbohydrate intake as equivalent, mm-hmm. um, or relatively close, like, you know, across the board. So, yeah. um, for those, it kind of comes down to by feel, you know, if, if you are training for longer, and when I say longer, I mean like, you know, a multiple hour session or multiple sessions throughout the day, yes. you are going to need higher carbohydrate than someone who doesn't. I will say that most CrossFitters yep. from like rec, you know, non-competitive will take like, you know, semifinals games of athletes out of the mix. Most recreational CrossFitters probably eat or consume too many, too much, too much carbohydrate for their level of activity. Um, you don't need 400 grams of carbohydrate to recover from your hour class each day. I yeah. hate to break it to you, but you the don't even at Metcon, but you don't need that. Yeah. Um. So, but it, you know, it can come down to a little bit of, of feel and, and how you feel energy wise. If you're, if every day you're in the gym, you're like, man, I just feel like I'm just dragging ass right now. Yeah. Then try adding some carbohydrate. And if that makes you feel better, then maybe that works better for you. You can kind yeah. of play around with that, but um, carbohydrates are, primarily responsible for like most of your energy. It's supposed stored as glycogen in your muscles and your liver and, you know, it's energy stores. Mm-hmm. Um, and then fat comes down to most like, you know, energy during lower intensity exercise or just existing, you know, more aerobic, um, activities and, um, can play into hormone balance as well. If you're consuming too low of fat, then you can like your hormonal system will not operate optimally. Mm-hmm. Um, So, and then when it comes to hydration, like that hydration can affect so much, like hydration can affect your mood, your sleep, your appetite, your digestion, your everything is affected by hydration. If you're dehydrated, um, I forget what I remember seeing it It something, some sort of stupid statistic and I'll wreck the numbers, but it was like, if you're dehydrated by like two or 3%, your power output is reduced by like 40%. It's like something ridiculous. Um, and I forget where I saw it. If I see it again, I'll have to send it to you. But um, it was something like if you were dehydrated, like two or three percent that your like power output or like your glycolytic output, which is primarily what CrossFit is, is reduced by like forty percent. It was something big number. Um, and so it's like that's how important hydration is.
0: Yeah. Um, well, and, so- I, and I love that you mentioned hydration and sleep. I know that there are a lot of people mm-hmm. who are talking about like not just. How much, how much water you're drinking. So CrossFit's recommendation is drink when you're thirsty. Let's just be clear about that, right? Um, they, they highlight that because of um, some awful, awful things that have happened with people hyperhydrating, like mm-hmm. drinking too much water, um, which the ter- the medical term, I might butcher this, but the medical term, I believe, is uh, exercise-associated, hypernatremic, um, basically examples of like marathon runners mm. who drank too much liquid and because of the interaction between long oxidative endurance output and um, what happens with your body regarding water, like when you engage in a endurance piece like that, like your body kind of goes into conservation mode. Um, and we have been sold at like as a community sports Fitness people, we've been sold this concept that like, well, if you're sweating, you've got to replace your, you got to replace your water intake. There are cases where people have drowned because of how much water they intook during marathons. Their body literally shuts down because it's too hyperhydrated. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where kind of CrossFit was coming from. It's a it's a drink when you're thirsty kind of thing, but also like. Hydration timing. We talked earlier about the importance of sleep. If you're that person who's banging bottles of water like right up until the moment you get into bed, no, you're up seven
1: times a night. You're right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, and and like you have to get up at night.
1: You like you keep the lights off and your eyes are like somewhat closed. You're like I'm still sleepy. You like go pee. Yes got you gotta, you gotta do the the, the the like the, block the light. Most, if I keep my eyes mostly
0: closed then like <laughs> tastes like I'm still sleeping yeah um, <laughs> i I can speak personally to the effectiveness of like trying to stop drinking liquids like two hours before I go to bed. Mm-hmm. I do end up getting up less, um so that's always nice. I'm always looking to for ways to not have to get up more or not be awake more, um which is probably a nice segue into. Things like this. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, so wearable techs and you know kind of quantifying recovery and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. So I'll I'll talk a little bit about mine. So I'm wearing an Aura ring. Um, I wore a Whoop for years, um, and I didn't switch because Whoop is a bad company. I I love that company. They do cool things, and um, I when I was down in Massachusetts, I had the good fortune to like go and do the studies in whoop labs, Mm -hmm. um, which was a lot of fun. And anybody who has anyone who has a whoop and you're in the Boston area, Mm -hmm. if you can get on that list, every time you go in and participate in a study, they will give you two months free for your subscription, which like I didn't pay for it for like over a year. Mm -hmm. Um, That was awesome. But I stopped wearing the, the whoop after I moved because you know, one, the cost is higher, and also because, two, I got to a point because where the, the data wasn't telling me anything, especially from my workouts, mm. that I couldn't perceive myself. Right. Um, and I really wanted to just kind of narrow down on sleep. And I don't wear my Apple Watch when I go to bed. Um, I take that off, and I can wear a ring while I sleep. And So that's, when it comes to wearable technology and things that I care about, that's really where I've kind of settled in is trying to help me understand, like not using it to understand, oh, I'm, I'm 80% recovered. I can go this much harder. Just like if I do something, mm-hmm. how does it move the needle on my sleep? Yep. Uh, getting back to that big rock in the bucket that is. sleep.
1: Yeah. Um, I think like there's tons of wearables out there. I know that like Apple watch has a sleep function or a ring whoop. Um, I have no idea if Fitbit has one, but I know that Garmin has come out with multiple watches now that um, have some sort of like recoverability score and different stuff in there that you can uh, look at um, and that track like your workouts and your output and all that fun stuff. And they they all have their you know proprietary blend their algorithm that goes into um, figuring those things out, so it pops up on either either the screen or your phone or both. In my mind, I'm like, these are just tools. And everything that we've talked about in this podcast so far, like sleep, nutrition, and hydration, that right there is 99% of the recovery bucket. Um, if we're talking about, you know, recovering from training, from life, from this, from that. Yeah. Sleep, nutrition, hydration probably in that order. The, yeah. It, I would say in that order. And again, like nutrition, and hydration are again in the same bucket, but like sleep and then your nutrition and hydration are what's going to do the most for you. Right. And, um, and to
0: be clear, we're talking about like, okay, you're not in a, in a war torn country where you can't get access to clean water or food regularly. Like right. we're assuming in the Maslow's hierarchy that you've got most of stuff taken care of. And like, Those are the assumptions we're making when we make that statement, right? Sorry, please
1: continue. Um, Like, that's going to do most of your recovery. And there are so many things out there that are different, like recovery modalities and products. You can do a like Go Wad, or it's no longer ROM Wad, it's pliability, Mm -hmm. Um, different like mobility and stretching programs. Um, You've got all your different. Yep, like your stim pads, like a Compex or a MyPowerDot, something like that. You have Theragun and different massage guns and such. You can get fancy foam rollers. Uh, mm-hmm. HyperX makes a foam roller that vibrates, so it, like massages you as you're foam rolling. Mm-hmm. Um, there's oh, what's
0: the thing where the you wear the sleeves on the legs?
1: Oh, the uh, Normatec, Normatec, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Normatec boots, and they have they have an upper body one as well. You can put on your arms. You look I like didn't know that um i don't think you can do both at the same time but (laughs) um uh but it's like they have like little compression arms boots normatech is the main company i know there's like a few out there that make them now or that product um there's different things like you know sauna ice bath Mm -hmm. meditation breath work like you know all these different modalities and things that you know exist that, you know, people that like kind of market it, that this helps your recovery. It'll it'll do this for you. It'll make you smarter. Your hair will grow faster. You'll become a foot taller, whatever it is. um, 10 pounds to your back squat. Yeah, exactly. Add 10 to call. Could you imagine if someone market is like, Hey, the guaranteed this adds 10 pounds to your back squat, they'd make enough money in that first month, just from CrossFitters buying it. Right. Um, because I mean, that's, that's the whole thing is CrossFitters, right? Like we will buy anything. If we think it'll make us fitter, or take ten seconds off our Fran time, or yeah. anything like that, I mean that's why people buy new shoes. Every time you get a new pair of shoes, your fitness increases by nineteen point seven percent. It's proven yep. by science. Absolutely. If you, wear, if you wear sunglasses while working out, it's twelve point two percent increase in your fitness. Yeah. Science don't come at me. I'm just the messenger. These are hard numbers.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I I won't do it if I can't pay for it. If it's yeah. if it's sleep or nutrition or water, no, don't talk to me. No, so exactly. where, where can I charge my credit card and doesn't say exactly. noble on it? Exactly. So you got right to where I was getting
1: to. <laughs> so many people will jump in the bucket of I have a pliability subscription. I bought an ice tub. I bought a sauna. This and I have a massage gun and a Normatech, and I do all of these things every day because I'm committed to my recovery. Okay. Yeah. Right. But I'm sleep, but I'm like, I'm sleeping six hours a night. It's like, <laughs> homie, that's not the, that's not it. You, you,
0: you missed the whole thing. And this yeah. is speaking, I'll speak for myself. This is speaking as someone who did that shit.
1: Uh, yeah. I
0: mean, we've all been there. Yeah.
1: And like, I, like I will foam like, I just have a regular foam roller at my house, like one of the little stumpy ones. Yep. Um, and so like have foam roller and lacrosse balls in my house and like a stretching match, to stretch. I have a subscription to pliability because if I don't have something to follow, I won't stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I don't stretch regularly, my, I will become the tin man and the most immobile human being in the world. Yeah. Um, so it's like, that's for me, the accountability makes sense. But at the end of the day, like if I get home from work and I've done whatever training that day I get home, you know, if doing, Like you know, uh, twenty minutes or so of foam rolling and then another twenty minutes or so of stretching is going to cut into my time to sleep. Like if if I'm choosing that an hour of foam rolling and stretching over an extra hour of sleep, I'm I'm missing the point. Yeah, put the cart before the horse. Yeah, that extra hour of sleep is going to do so much more for my overall recovery than any foam rolling or stretching ever could. You know, the foam rolling and stretching helps me from like a movement position standpoint. And I do it as often as I can. But again, it's like I get to in the night, I get home, I've had dinner and it's like, I could either stretch for an hour, like stretch and foam roll for an hour or sleep for an extra hour. The sleep for an extra hour should be the easy choice. But because it's not flashy, because it's not sexy, partially maybe because it's free. Yeah it's not the option people go to. They're like, no, I got to spend time in my sauna. I got to go use my massage gun. I got to normatech my face with like lacrosse balls digging into my neck and the whole, you know, whatever it is, got to do all these recovery things. Those aren't moving the needle nearly as much as you think it is. And that's where sometimes to bring it back to the wearables where those things can make a difference, make note of, I know that for, I have, I've never used an aura ring or any of the Garmin watches, but I know for whoop, like I have one, I wear one, you can put in like the little journal, uh, feature, like different things that you did. Like I, you know, I did stretch, I didn't stretch. I, you know, it has a functionality where you can input like your calories and macronutrients. Like if you track that stuff,
0: Oh wow!
1: like you basically can put in every single factor of life that can, that could go, you know, play into your recovery and then each week, each month, it gives you different reports of like, Hey, here's how these things that you have logged mm-hmm. affect your recovery. And you can look at it and be like, oh, wow, like caffeine positively affects my recovery unless I consume it afternoon. Yeah. Like, that's a powerful bit of information. Um, it, you know, if, if I logged that I was properly hydrated, cause I drank this much of water, but then on the days where I wasn't properly hydrated, cause I drank significantly less water, like my recovery was higher versus lower. Yeah. You know, it's like it, it can give you a lot of really cool information, like these different tools and gadgets and wearables that we have, mm-hmm. but they're not the be all end all, you know? And I think this is another detriment in the community, maybe not a detriment, but I've known people like this where they were in a whoop, they see their whoop score is red. They have like a red recovery. Yeah. I'm dead. I can't do it. I'm like, like I can't, I can't train. I can't do this. I got to like, you know, put my life on pause. Like, well, how do you feel? <laughs> you know? And the, the fact that, you know, we're relying on solely on a wrist wearable and an app yeah. to tell us how we feel is a little bit absurd in my mind. It's a tool. And again, you know, like this is, I'll just kind of use my personal, kind of how I think about Whoop. Mm-hmm. When it gives you your data in the morning, you wake up. Your recovery score is this. You look at it. All that means, and this is coming from one of my good friends, Mike Lombardi, who has worked at Whoop um, for an absurd amount of years. It, you know was one of their highest ranking uh, employees, and he he knows the deal. Was like whatever your recovery score is doesn't mean like that's now your ceiling for your output. It just means that your entire system, your physiology is just running less efficiently. So if you have a, so he basically put it more efficient of, yeah. Yeah. So basically like put it in terms of like running because it's like, it's just an easy analogy. He's like, okay, let's say you're running a 20 minute 5k. So, like, so same output across the board. He's like, so if you're running a 20 minute 5k, at a
0: green recovery that By the Mike... way, only Mike Lombardi would say, Hey, if you're running a 5K at 20 minutes, well, so like... just, just
1: picking a number. I, I'm, I know. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure if... Mike, Mike could run a 5K in like 12 minutes. I but, yeah, yeah. Um, if you
0: know, if you know Mike Lombardi, you know how absurd that sounds sometimes. But anyway, please continue.
1: Yeah. So he's like just again, just trying to equate output across yes. the thing. But yes. For a 20 minute 5k, he's like, okay, let's be if you have a green recovery, that might be like uh 10 strain on, like on the whoop. If you're a yellow, it might be 13. If you're red might be 17. Like it's just your system has to work harder to create the same level of output. It's not that you can't do that output. His wife, Sarah ran the New York marathon with red recovery and she's lived to tell the tale. <laughs> um, so it doesn't mean you're going to die. It doesn't mean everything's horrible. It's just your system is running slightly like less efficiently depending on your recovery there, but then, okay. So you take that into account. I can still train normally. Again, bar like depending on how I feel. If I feel like I've been hit by a bus, then probably back off. But as, as long as I'm feeling pretty good physically, and you still train as normal. Then, like if my recovery score is lower, I'm gonna try and maybe eat a little bit more food, make sure I am on top of my hydration, and I'm gonna try and sleep a little bit more. Yeah, you know, like try and bump that recovery stuff up just a little bit to try and get back into the green zone the next day. Um, so it's kind of just like a little tool for that. It's not that if you have a red recovery, you can't train or training's going to be horrible. Or, you know, if you wake up with a red recovery on like a day you're supposed to compete that you're going to like absolutely bottle it. Um, it's just that things are like just slightly less efficient. And that's just is what it is. But then you just get to look, put a little bit more focus on the recovery side of things and you'll be okay. It, it doesn't have to rule your life or end your life for the whole thing. Like getting lost in the sauce is not, um, it's easy to do cause you're getting hit with a bunch of numbers and data and stuff. But, um, yeah, I just like you starting to think about those things. I know a lot of people have them in the fitness space, whether it be an aura ring, a garment, a whoop, or a combination of those things, using it more as a tool, as opposed to like a crutch, um, would be my advice to people. And I don't know how aura ring is in terms of like the the kind of data and numbers it gives you, but if, you know. If you yeah. want to share some of that.
0: Yeah. I mean, so I'll, and I, and first of all, I love what you're saying, the The concept of, um, using it as a tool rather than a crutch and a great, anyone who knows my wife, Katie, um, my wife loves to teach me lessons by making fun of me. <laughs> so <laughs> she, she would, we'd, we gap in the morning. She'd be like, how'd you sleep? And I'd say, I'd go to pull out my phone and she'd be like, "Uh, uh-uh. no, 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 no. Yeah. How do you feel? Yeah, right? And yet that's a good gut check for anyone who like if I ask you how you sleep, if you have to look at your whoop score to tell you, you're, you're missing an opportunity to kind of check in with yourself, All yep. um, <clears throat> um, the The aura ring is not as detailed uh, as as the whoop. And again, I don't use it for that. Um, I use my Aura ring exclusively to track sleep because when it comes to workouts, I take it off. I mean, it's a hard, it's not Mm -hmm. like my my wedding ring, which is a groove life, like it's rubberized. I can just do everything with it. This Mm -hmm. is hard. It doesn't feel good when I pick up a barbell or hang on something. So I take it off. I don't wear it. Um, When I get my sleep, it's something like this, right? So I know that, you know, up the top here is how much total sleep I got, how much time in bed. Those are probably the things I pay attention to the most. I want to get, you know, on a great day, I get over eight hours. This past morning, I let myself sleep till 7 a.m. I got eight hours and 18 minutes of actual sleep. That means I was in bed almost 10 hours. Yeah. You know? Wow. And then what I pay attention to immediately after that, I skip the score. I don't care what the score says. It's useless to me. Um, I go right to here, which gives me a breakdown of... The time that I was in bed, how much of that time was deep sleep, light sleep, REM sleep, and awake time? Yeah, it is not uncommon for me to have ninety minutes or more time that I'm awake mm-hmm. while I'm in bed.
1: Yep. Um, and to so- be clear on that, like when it says awake, doesn't mean that you're like eyes open, like sitting up in bed. Yeah. It's just times that like your brain is relatively like conscious but it's yeah. imperceivable to us while we're sleeping yeah so unless you have a thing where like you know like you kind of wake up a little bit you roll over kind of fall back asleep mm-hmm. most of the time the the time that you're like quote-unquote awake is imperceivable to you while you're sleeping so it's not like i sat up eyes wide open like woke up in bed it's just part of a, a sleep cycle yeah. is and like you, brain and we coming. go
0: through several sleep cycles when we sleep yep you know um this that's that's as much as I use this for. And yep. I keep it really simple. I know days that um, <clears throat> I allow myself to sleep in. Like, normally, I get up at a certain time because I like to create a little time in the morning where I can do some work kind of uninterrupted. And mm-hmm. that also allows me to be awake for when my son gets up so that my wife can sleep. Um, but every once in a while, it's like, you know what? I just I need to sleep in. Um, kind of making it so if you kind of look at this graph here, the mm-hmm. white spots along the top or where I was awake yep. reducing that as much as possible mm-hmm. and setting it up so that I spend the majority of my time in actual sleep yep that's all I pay attention to yep. um, and it's it's helpful and I I want to go back real quick before we kind of put a button on this whole thing you're talking about whoop and how it allows you to track things like your macros and your um, your water intake and did you foam roll and all of those things and that's awesome the caveat the caveat is first of all you've got to actually track shit Mm -hmm. which if you've got and the rule with data sets of any kind is garbage in garbage out yep so if you are not actually it's the same thing with macro tracking if anyone who (laughs) anyone who's doing macro tracking you know you know that time where you eat something and you're like oh That's not going into my fitness pal.
1: Like,
0: you know, it's Oreos don't count. Right. Peanut butter doesn't count. Um,
1: Any peanut butter that's left on the spoon or on the knife that those calories don't count. Right. Um, Absolutely. Um,
0: And any peanut butter consumed after the lid goes on. So if it happens to be a full spoon, it doesn't matter. Um, So we all, we all have those things. And I say that because we talk about adherence, right? Like, Mm -hmm. total adherence to a diet. I went down the rabbit hole um, over the summer. I did a six week thing and I had great success Mm -hmm. because my adherence was near 100%. Right. Yep. The moment I started to deviate, my results started to fluctuate. Yep. And shout out to EC Sinkowski who runs optimize me nutrition, um, who was on seminar staff for a long time, you know, fantastic resource for nutrition, um, oh. in the health and fitness space. She has her 10 rules of nutrition. And I think it's the last one can't remember exactly, but one of them is there are diminishing results on attaining perfection.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. And that includes making yourself crazy. Like yeah. I remember, I'll never forget talking about games, athletes, Catherine David's daughter used to bring her own meals when she would go out to a restaurant and, and and again, talking about living in a vacuum, like she's already at the 99th percentile. Yep. 1% for her. Yeah. Surrounded by other 99 percenters is the difference between a gold medal and a silver. Yep. And, you know, with the stakes that they are dealing with, that's the difference between $250,000 payout and $25,000 payout or whatever it was. Yep. Um, you know, and if you, if you had a deal like Matt Fraser was rumored to have, the rumor for a while, I don't know if it was ever confirmed, the rumor was Nike paid him dollar for dollar every dollar he earned in competition. So... Yeah, I don't know if that was ever like fully confirmed. I think it's one of those things
1: like I can neither confirm nor deny. I, I agree. So I... I would believe it with, with the amount of money that Nike has yeah. and how influential Matt was in the sport yeah. um, not was Matt is in the sport. Not that he's no. no longer influential, but like, you know, when he was competing, like the, the amount of influence he had over the community mm-hmm. at the time mm-hmm. and how much money Nike had it, it would
0: not shock me if that was the terms of his contract. Right. Um, so a 1% deviation or increase at that level. hmm that could be, I mean, let's say the difference between first place and second place is a hundred thousand dollars. That's $200,000 for a guy like Matt Fraser. Yeah. Um, massive. Right. So, But it's worth it for him to be that insane. Mm-hmm. It's not worth it. Or, I mean, I don't know a single human being for whom I would advocate that level of insanity.
1: Yeah. You know? I, you know, I think, you know, different people might have their different levels of what makes you happy. Um, you know, if, if it floats your boat then, and and it makes you happy and it doesn't, you know, again, it it can be like, you're perceived, like there are some, some people like you look at their level of discipline and you're like, Mm -hmm. wow, you must be some type of psychopath. What the hell are you doing? Like, what, like, Mm -hmm. why are you doing this? It it doesn't make sense to me because it doesn't like resonate with me, but for them, they might be like happy as a fucking clam and just. Live in life, and they're like, I, I really enjoy my, you know, weight out to the gram chicken breast, and like, you know, my precise measurement, this and my Tupperware, like it having that level of discipline might make, make, make them happy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not necessary, right? Um, so like it to, to echo your sentiment, like it's definitely not necessary yeah. for yeah. that, you know, unless you are that person that's competing at that level, which as we've talked about many a time on this podcast,
0: yeah, we're not, right? Um, so and, and you know there's a whole other podcast talking elite fitness like yeah. they do that they talk yeah. about that stuff they you, talk you, about the
1: two super smart dudes on that podcast they, they're amazing I love guys they do Jesus. i love it yeah. um and 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 that's like you said it's kind of like the be all and end all if you're at that level but for most of us if you focus on sleeping really well and and getting the most out of that meaning like you know I think reasonable would be like seven to eight hours of sleep. I think if you were really Most trying, op- I think if you were really trying to optimize everything, even if you're a normal human, it's like I just enjoy working out at my gym and I take class, and but I just want to like really optimize everything, like nine to ten hours. Oof. You, you know, get it. If if you can do it, if you have the means to do it in your lifestyle and your job, and you know, uh, you know whether you have kids or not, like allows that, you're gonna be like a superhuman. Yeah. If you can sleep that much. And I mean, if you're if you're a competitive CrossFitter, it's required. Yes. It's like if like to legitimately compete, like at the higher levels of semifinals and the CrossFit games, if you're not sleeping nine to ten hours a night, like you're not going to make it. You can't because you won't be able to hang with the level of intensity. You won't be able to recover enough. Right yeah. Um, but I think like seven to eight hours of sleep is a great target to shoot for. And by that I mean like actual sleep. Mm So as Sam was saying, like he got eight hours and 18 minutes of actual sleep, meaning he was in bed for roughly 10. Most humans lose an hour to an hour and a half of sleep. So when you're like, I slept eight hours, you probably slept six and a half. Yeah. Unfortunately. And that's Uh,
0: where a wearable can be useful. to provide you with that clarity. Yep. Um,
1: But yeah, I think for most people, if you can get your sleep, had a good time block in that shooting for that 7 to 8 hours. Mm-hmm. Get your nutrition and hydration, adequate you know, protein. Adequate protein, adequate hydration, carbs and fats to your liking as long as they're within like your caloric and energy requirements. Yeah.
0: Mostly unprocessed. Yeah, you'll be good yeah. to go. Absolutely. And, and, and Oreos don't count. And Oreos don't count. And it should it's not lost on us that what we're talking about is not groundbreaking or you know, new inventive sexy things. Yeah. Again, my own experience, I'll I'll tell anybody this, consistency is king. Yeah. If you want to see amazing yeah. results, yep. you know, your work in the gym, your diet, your sleep habits, all mm-hmm. of these things. And then of course, you know, emotional and psychological health and stuff like that. Yep. All of these things across time, if mm-hmm. you're attempting to do them mostly well. Is going to take you so much further than you know i'm going to dive down real deep on this thing and hope that it stays like that forever yeah.
1: and then you last a week yeah <sighs> yeah so it be- better to be 85 percent compliant for the rest of your life than to try and be 100 compliant and then give up in a week um but i think like my my kind of like last closing thought on the whole thing to speak to your point about consistency it's like it's consistency over time so we're not saying like, if you have one night that you don't sleep seven to eight hours, you're going to ruin your whole everything and your recovery is going to be garbage. And then you can't train. And you know, your mom's going to be disappointed in you and whatever. Um, it's, if you have a night like, Hey, I'm going to go out with my friends this night. That's absolutely okay. But then you just like got to know like, okay, because I only slept four hours, Mm -hmm. probably don't try and PR your friend the next day. Yeah. Like maybe not a smart choice. Yeah. Um, or try and PR your deadlift or, you know, I was going to say deadlift, deadlift might be a little bit more, yeah. Insert, insert whatever stupid idea here, um, you know, just duct tape your spine to the ceiling, done. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, and if, if you have any it where it's like, you know, hey, rather than having my nutrition 100% dialed in, like I'm going to go out for dinner and drink with friends, we're going to have a good time. That's absolutely fine. Like it, sure. and, and is important for you to be a healthy, happy human being, you know? Absolutely it's, it's part of life and what makes us happy and social creatures and like going out and do the, like, but you know, having that be like, you know, one night every once in a while versus like every night I'm like ripping shots and smashing pizzas and sleeping two hours a night, you know, like very different, you know, in, in that. So that'd just be kind of like my closing final thought. is like, you don't have to be absurdly controlling about it. Like go about your business, enjoy your life, you know, do the things that make you happy. Just understand how that might affect your
0: recovery and then what that means for your fitness or your training going forward. Yeah. You know, I think that's a, I think that's a great button to end it on. And, you know, balance matters. Yep. Um, everything in moderation. Yep. Everybody has a different balance and moderates different things for different people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And again, consistency, consistency over time, way Mm -hmm. to, way to put a, a nice bow on. Yeah. Well, we're gonna, we're gonna come back next week. Maybe with a guest, maybe not. (laughs) We'll see it. We'll see if we can track down our, our guests. Yes. Our guests. We've got, we've got a couple in the pipeline. We have a couple. Um, Yeah. And I, I have a, I have a great idea for after the new year, coming back and revisiting something that we've talked about previously. Um, which I think is going to dovetail nicely into, Jerry Jerry, yeah, yeah Jerry <laughs> no, um, there's, there's, we got, we got some, we got some people coming up and hopefully it's, it's entertaining. We'll be entertained if nothing else. <laughs> um, <laughs> all God, Absolutely. All right, Kevin, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you, brother. Yeah. I appreciate you too, bud. All right. Take care everybody else. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.